Good morning, Gateway. Um, really glad to have you this morning, especially those of you who are visiting. There are, I'm guessing, uh, if you're watching later at home, I'm going to be talking to you a lot this morning. Uh, there are uh, five or six handfuls of people here, which means that a lot of us are still choosing to uh, stay home and um, watch uh, Gateway Online. So um, let's have a conversation today. I'm going to do all the talking, but let's have a conversation. And uh, I want to encourage you before we even get started to uh, put your body armor on. I'm going to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. Let's try that uh, together. I'll read, but you follow along with me. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. And this is an awesome passage of Scripture. I'm going to dive into it later. And I'm going to do a survey of, uh, apologize in advance, we're going to be jumping around. I'm going to do a survey of, of just look quickly at, touch down lightly on several passages of Scripture today. But we'll start with this one. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, ensure, just make sure that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Okay, so uh, let's start with this principle. Living things grow. They change, they develop, they mature. Living things grow. This principle applies to our spiritual lives as well. The work of God within us grows. Our connection to God grows. Our devotion to the governorship of Jesus over our lives, it grows. We grow in our likeness to Jesus. Our spiritual life is a living thing. It grows, it develops, it matures. And the New Testament, by the way, assumes this everywhere. There's a, there's a point, some of you will know this, where Jesus is giving an illustration of the spiritual life, and he describes it as a farmer who goes out and scatters seed. Seed, because that's the, that's the core of life. Paul, same illustration, he compared, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he compared his pastoral work among other people to planting seeds. And seeds, when they take root and receive proper nourishment, pause, when they receive proper nourishment, they grow. They produce what is in them. In other words, they become the thing which the seed is the promise of. So you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get tobacco. You're going to get an apple tree if it's nourished and it takes root. The information in the seed turns into a life form. It, it doesn't have to be engineered. It doesn't have to be manipulated. It simply has to take root and be nourished. So that begs a question, doesn't it? It's the same with our spiritual lives. If the seed of God's Word takes root in us, and if it receives adequate nourishment, if it receives adequate nourishment, it will grow into a fierce, elegant, God-infused, God-honoring life form. It will grow into something that looks more and more like the life of Jesus. So, how is it nourished? How do we nourish the seed of God's Word in our lives? Okay, that's a, that's a really long, <laughs> that's a long conversation. 
with some, you know, good stuff. Uh, we t- we take some side trips into to, to studying God's Word, and we if we wanted to do a thorough conversation here, we talk about prayer. But but today, let's just focus on one thing. That we'll save that conversation for another season. We'll do that weeks for weeks. But today, I want to talk about what might be the most important part of the nourishment process. Pause. Again, let me set this up. Our spiritual life is a living thing. If, it, if God's Word takes root in us and if it's nourished, it will grow. How is it nourished? That's our question. And we're going to talk about today what may be the most important part of that nourishment. What may be the most important part of the nourishment process is community. Authentic Christian community may be the most important part of a healthy spiritual life. So any young people, boys and girls that are in here with us, community. Uh, uh, Grow great Christian friends because that that is a critically important part of who God meant for you to be. Make good friends because ultimately your friends will help make you. Okay, before we go any further, I want to pray. Then we're going to get serious. Um, Father, I pray that you will remove all distractions, that we would kind of be uh, in a space this morning, physically for some of us who are watching this and, and uh, certainly emotionally and spiritually where we can hear from you and listen to you and know what's next. We want to give you permission to speak. We, we, we need that from you. So speak into us today. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Authentic Christian community may be the most important part of a healthy spiritual life. All right, so now let me make the opposite point because it's equally true. Isolation is a burden that prevents us from being our best. Isolation is a burden that prevents us from being our best. So I want you to imagine with me this morning that we're going to take a hike. We're going to go on a sophisticated trail system and... uh, we, let, let, let's set out, let's take our hike together. At the beginning of the hike, we meet a trail guide. And the trail guide says to us, you need a trail map. So I just happen to have a handy trail map. This is, a, this is actually a real trail map of the uh, Yellowstone National Park. So we've got to decide what trail we're going to take, and there are a lot. <laughs> We've got to decide what trail we're going to take. We've got to mark it out. We've got to, you know, do some calculation. How long is it going to be? Uh, trail guide says you need some water. Got it. So be really good if you have some pants like this that you can hide stuff in and you need the right shoes. Check, 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 check. And then right before we leave out, trail guide gives us some advice about what we're going to see, what we're going to experience. It's awesome. We're excited. Let's go. And then the trail guide says, hey, uh, why don't you take this with you? So we say, okay, and then we go to pick it up, and it is exceedingly heavy. Um, why? What's in this, Mr. Trail Guide? Why should we carry this on the path with us? Well, there's nothing in it, really. It's just a weight. Wait, what do you mean? Yeah, it's nothing important. Well, why would we carry it with us? Well, you don't have to. Okay, what's the point? Well, the thing is, you're going to. Sooner or later, you're going to choose this. So go ahead and get it over with. 
Stop. Does this help me in any way? No. In fact, it slows you down. You won't be able to walk as far or as fast. And you won't be able to walk as well. You'll be winded the whole time. Why would I choose this? I don't know. But hikers consistently do. Isolation is a burden. Studies too numerous to cite demonstrate this. I could do this for about an hour and a half. Social isolation significantly increases a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical activity. Social isolation was associated with about 50% increased risk of dementia. So uh, poor social relationships characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. Loneliness among heart failure patients was associated with nearly four times increased risk of death, 68% increased risk of hospitalization, 50% increased risk of emergency departments. I'm not going to go on. We need community. Isolation is a burden that you were not made for. We need community. We know this from the very first chapter of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we get an account of God creating the earth and as it, the world, the universe. And as he looks over everything, uh, element by element, theme by theme, God says, it's good. It's good. It's very good. There's only one thing in all of creation that wasn't good. Man's aloneness. In Genesis 2.18, it says, it's not good for the man to be alone. He's going to dig into himself. He's going to die early. He's going to get depressed. He's going to spend far too much time with the remote control. The other community was Jesus' highest priority for us. I want you to think of Jesus' prayer on the last night of his life. We have that recorded for us in John chapter 17. Jesus' prayer on the last night of his life. His attention is riveted on what's most important. I want this on the screen. Look at this, John chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses 20 through 23, I think it is, uh, because, or 25, because, oh, 23, because in this part of Jesus' prayer, on the last night of his life, Jesus is praying for us. He says this praise thing, connection between him and the Father, and then he prays for the disciples that are right in front of him, and then he prays for us. Let's listen. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. He keeps going, that. And what in the world does he pray for? I mean, maybe for our joy. Maybe for our success. Maybe for our effectiveness. Maybe he prays for our faith. Maybe he prays for our protection. He knows there's going to be a global pandemic. Maybe he prays for our protection. No, that's not what he prays for. On the last night of his life, right before his death, his attention is riveted on what's most absolutely important. What does Jesus pray for? That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Look, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. 
He prays for our unity, for our oneness. That's in your marriage? Yes. And that's here. That's among us. Unity. That's his highest concern. We can't get all that God intends for us to get apart from community. I'm going to repeat that. We can't get all that God intends for us apart from community. Let's look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. We don't have time to dig into these. I just want you to get the undergirding principle in these passages of Scripture. Chapter 3, uh, verses, the second part of verse 17 through uh, verse 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that seed has taken root and is being nourished, that you may, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We can't get all that God has for us by ourselves. We get it together with all the saints. We began today by asking how spiritual growth is nurtured. How do we nourish the spiritual seed that God has planted in us? Well, Paul addresses that a little more specifically. In the next chapter, Ephesians 4, again, I'm, we're not going to dig into this and analyze it. I just want you to get the undergirding principle. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, no, 11 through 16. Let's do 11 through 16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. He's just giving uh, a list of, of people that he's planted in the church. And here he's talking about some of the leadership gifts and leadership people that he's planted in the church. And here he tells why. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then... We're not going to be tossed back and forth like infants by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning craftiness of people and their deceiving, uh, deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, this is what community does, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, we will in all things, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body joined uh, and held together, by every, held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You don't, you don't get to be nourished outside of community. It doesn't happen spiritually. You have to be connected. All right, that brings us back to Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, the passage we started with this morning, I'm going to read it one more time, and this time let's do some spiritual aerobics. Would you stand with me out of reverence for God's Word? And if you're watching this later at home, stand now. And I'm waiting for you to stand, because <laughs> we're hearing from God's Word. So this is Ephesians 3, uh, 12 through 14 again, and you are going to see undergirding this incredible passage the exact same principle. See to it, brothers and sisters, and, and hear that none of you, individually, each, that, not, that not one of you, individually, so all of you, and the verb here is plural, all of you are to see to it that none of you, that there's not a part, 
that, that has a sinful, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, and think about it, it's pretty much always called today. That's his point. As long as we call this day today, then do this. Don't do other stuff, do this. Encourage one another so that none of you, again, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We, we've come to share in Christ that we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. You may be seated. My holiness, my, my ability to cling to the truth, my ability to not have my, my heart hardened at, at, in my job, I'm sick of this place. My ability to not have my heart hardened. In my marriage, I can't do this anymore. My ability to not have my heart hardened is a community project. You guys are to see to it that I don't become that person. And I'm to see to it that you don't. And think about the math of that. If I'm taking care of myself, I've got one person taking care of me. If I've got Gateway taking care of me, i got hundreds of people investing in me. It depends. My holiness, my, my connection to him, my getting it right, my walking in the truth depends on one anothering. The Bible talks over and over and over again about one anothering. Encourage one another. Teach one another, train one another, rebuke one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, bear with one another, love one another. Over and over, and that's, you can't do any of those things by yourself. Um, Gallup poll does a religion in America survey every year, and they've, they've been doing it for decades. Uh, they... they the, the latest results are fascinating. You, you may have seen this if, if you've watched the news over the last several months. But in 1937, when Gallup Poll began doing this, 73% uh, of Americans said that they uh, uh, attended church regularly. They were connected to a church. 73% of Americans. As late as 1999, and many of you are old enough to remember 1999, as late as 1999, still... 70% of Americans said that they were connected to church. They attended church regularly. By 2010, that had become 62%. And, and they talked about the fastest growing religion in America was the nuns. Not N-U-N-S. It's N-O-N-E-S. No affiliation. Nuns. That was the fastest growing religious group in America. By 2018... It was down to 50%. 50% of Americans attend church regularly. Uh, by 2020, it was 47% for the first time. Fewer people attended church regularly than uh, did not. The number one explanation they gave was they'd rather do their spiritual life alone. You can't do your spiritual life alone. I am, I am so appreciative of those of you who have faithfully tracked with us for the last 18 months watching this. But I want to remind you, you cannot do your spiritual life alone. You can't do your spiritual life alone. 
Because the spiritual life, intimately involved in the spiritual life, is one anothering. And you can't do that from your couch at home alone. Uh, So, do I need church? Do I need church? Well, it depends on what you mean when you say church. A building or an organization that pays staff and other bills, a guy like Ed, no, you don't need church. Seriously, you don't need church if that's what church is. But if by church you mean a network of relationships and a people who gather with you regularly to affirm your faith together and a a space where you can find and dig into a spiritual posse, who can walk alongside you and encourage you and others, and, 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 and then other people who are further along in the faith, who can model for you, and, and a place where you can occasionally hear teaching that convicts you and trains you, then most decidedly, yes, you need church. Most importantly, you need a spiritual posse. I'm not talking about golf partners. You need that too. I'm not talking about a work squad. You need that too. But you need a spiritual posse in order for that seed in you to be nourished. It may be the most important part of the nourishment. Isolation is a deadly burden. And utterly unnecessary. There is no value All right, let's get specific. We'll round the bend and bring this to conclusion. If you're single, uh, what, what does this say to you? It says you need a posse. You need community. You can't do this alone. You need people asking you hard questions and giving you regular encouragement. You need people who will say to you, Why are you doing that? And you need regular encouragement. I want to add to that. You're not looking for an environment that is target-rich in marriage potential. I want you to have that too. I want you to be looking for that too. If that's what God has for you, I want you to be finding those environments as well. But you need a spiritual posse who's speaking honestly into your life. And I want to also say, in almost every circumstance it should be same sex because if you're single other sex relationships they become complicated you need a spiritual posse you need people speaking honestly into your life years ago some of you have heard me tell this but we started gateway years ago by the way when we started gateway south riding had about 600 homes in it there was nothing else out here you most of you people weren't here and uh, I, uh, we started Gateway by surveying homes. And I would knock on a door. I would flash my toothy grin. Hi, my name's Ed. I'm in the area. I'm starting a brand new church. And, and I'm just, I'm not recruiting. And I really wasn't. I, I would love to, I just want to know who's here. I want, I want to find out about Northern Virginia. I've got seven questions. Take less than five minutes for you to answer. Would you be willing to answer? And, you know, you were incredibly friendly. You were much friendlier then than you are now. And almost everyone said, sure. 
And the conversations took longer than five minutes because they wanted to talk. So I would, you know, how long have you lived in Northern Virginia? What brought you here? What do you think we need the most? And, you know, better roads. And at the time, shopping, uh, we need uh, gas stations and, and grocery stores. Not so much now. Now people might say restaurants. You know, we need good schools. I drive my kids all the way over to Ashburn to go to school when I'm over here in South Riding. And once in a while they would say, oh, we need a new church. And I would say brown noser. And then I would ask the rest of the questions. Uh, so one time I was surveying, I was surveying in South Riding, and I went, uh, I was surveying a row of townhomes, and I go up to this townhome, the garage is open, there's a guy in the garage uh, uh, getting some tools and stuff, so I go up to him and say, hi, my name's Ed Allen, and you know, I'm, I'm in the area to start a brand new church, I'm surveying people, and I said, you got five minutes, he turned and looked at me, he said, I am not the guy you want to talk to, and I said, okay, why is that? And he said, oh, I don't really believe in God, and I'm not connected to the church at all. And I said, you know what? You might be exactly the guy I want to talk to. And he said, well, beyond that, I don't even live here. This is just a friend of mine, and I'm stealing his tools. And I said, that's okay. I'll be happy to talk to you anyway. I live in Chantilly. Awesome. Let's talk. Okay. So he's pretty honest with me. He gives me his answers to his questions. I can't even remember what the last question I asked is, but I asked the last question. And he gets thoughtful for a second. He says, you know, I'll tell you what's interesting. I said, okay. He said, um, I just got back from Alabama, and uh, my grandmother or grandfather, uh, uh, I think it's grandmother, my grandmother just passed, uh, no, my grandfather just passed away. My, uh, left my grandmother by herself. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, no, you know, it's kind of cool because I went down there and go to the funeral. I didn't get there until time just to go to the funeral. And I hung out for a couple days with my grandma. But it was amazing because somebody was always at the house. And there are just people bringing food and, and people taking out her trash. The guy comes over and cuts grass for her. And I thought to myself, you know, I would like to have connection like that. And I said to him, you don't get that unless you invest. You don't get that kind of connection unless you invest. You have to build that. And you need it. If you're single, you need a posse. All right, how about if you're married without kids? I'm busy. Shut up. Um, okay, uh, first of all, um, I want you to count the cost because you are busy, so there's a cost to it. I want you to count the whole cost. I want you to count the cost of the alternative. You need a posse. Now, your marriage can be an important part of your community, and I pray that it is. But when, 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 when God created Eve for Adam, he wasn't creating a wedding. He was creating community. We need community, and, and you can't expect your marriage to satisfy all of your connection needs. That's too, much, that's too much weight to put on your marriage. You need a spiritual posse. You need someone to one another. You need someone to one another, and you need someone to one another you, especially if you're old, like me. If you're old, you're done with kids. Some of you have been around for a while doing this. You're done with kids. You've done all that church stuff. Stop it. You need a spiritual posse. We don't, look, I want to warn those of you who are uh, younger in life than I am, and uh, for those of you watching at home, that's most of you. Uh, you, you. Life gets less and less elegant the older you get. 
I have, I, we had the wedding here yesterday, as Jordan said. I sat around with a bunch of old people. I couldn't believe it. 30 minutes into our dinner conversation, we were talking about ailments. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've turned into my mother. Uh, we don't, this, 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 life is, gets increasingly less elegant the older you get. You need a spiritual posse. You need someone occasionally to, to say to you, shut up, I'm tired of hearing about your knee. How's your heart? And I don't mean your cholesterol. I mean your, your emotional connection. How you doing? You need a spiritual posse. How about you're married with kids? Now, that's a lot of gateway, honestly. Not now. A lot of you are at home. But that's a lot of gateway. So you're married with kids. You definitely don't have time. Your life is full of kids' activities. You are, you're a taxi most of the time. Plus, just think of the weight of this past year of protecting your kids from COVID. All right, good stuff. Seriously, good stuff. But I want to remind you, your main job, with your, your main job is not to provide your kids with opportunities. That's not your main job. Your main job is not even protection. Your main job is discipling. That's the New Testament word. Your main job is to form that person into someone who can be a great citizen and be, an, be effective in their relationships, to be able to love one another, to be able to love others and encourage others, and to be able to give their life completely to God. That's our job. And I want you to consider the cost the alternative cost of some of the decisions that we've been making for the last 18 months. Are you encouraging fear? Because that's far more damaging than COVID. Look, I want to I reiterate, I am not a COVID denier. In fact, I've had people at Gateway, as some of you know, some of you have been that person. I've had people at Gateway who've been upset with me because we're too concerned about the virus here at Gateway, and we are still trying to keep our atmosphere very, very safe here. We're still conscious of it. And I've had, some of you have said to me, oh, Ed, it's just a bad flu, to which I respond, I don't want a bad flu. And I don't want anybody I love to have a bad flu. Even if it's just a bad flu, let's take care of one another, right? But the planet is a dangerous place. And there are things worse than COVID Isolation, for instance. If you're training your children that they can do it alone, that's far more dangerous than COVID-19. My favorite all-time small group story at Gateway. We had a group years ago, uh, a young couple that led this group. They had a few children, and they had a big group, and this group had more kids than adults. And it was a good group. It had a lot of energy. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, one night they went over, had a small group meeting somewhere. And, and you know, the adults would later tell me this is, this is, a, this is a very good meeting. And uh, their kids, it was warm weather, their kids went outside and played. And then they went downstairs in the basement and played. Uh, then afterwards, they, the, the leader family piles their kids into the van. And uh, they're driving. They're on their way home. And you know, dad looks in the mirror and sees his son, and he is dripping wet with sweat. 
And he says, you know, and he's panting. He says, hey, buddy, you doing okay? And his son said, that was the best Bible study ever. <laughs> that young man today is expecting his first child. He's knee-deep in a very happy, very effective marriage. He's helping to plant a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he just got an incredible uh, raise at his company. He's living very, very effectively with a life that is completely turned over to God, and his parents drug him everywhere, including small group past bedtime, because they knew, they knew that their main job was discipling. You need a posse. If you're married with kids, you need a posse. You can't do this alone. You can't close your door and shut the garage, and that's the unit that's going to help you make it. There's not enough one anothering. You've got too much goods in you to just invest there. All right. Let us help you find a posse. If you don't have a posse, if you've, if you've never come to Gateway, you're just watching this online, let us help you find a posse. I want you to email groups at gatewaychurch.org. I have given you a sample email here. Uh, your, your, Michelle Bowden will be answering your email. So you, you uh, send an email, tell Michelle what you're looking for, and we'll do our best to help you find a posse because that's why we're here. We want to help you get nurtured and nourished. I, I, I want you to look. Email Michelle and say, I want a group that meets by Zoom from 5.30 to 7 in the morning, and I only want to meet with left-handed people who grew up in Georgia. We probably can't find that, but we'll look. We'll try. Tell us what you're looking for, because it's so critically important. You need a posse. On March 10, 1904, the great escape artist Houdini was challenged to a contest by the Illustrated Mirror of London. And I have given, I think, Thomas, there's a picture of Houdini. I added this because our communications director, Gina, told me she had no idea who Houdini was. He was a famous entertainer who escaped from stuff like this. Uh, the, the, the paper, the, the Illustrated Mirror of London, dared the showman to escape from a new and improved complex form of handcuffs with six locks on each cuffs, cuff and nine tumblers on each lock. The performer took the challenge. Thousands, by the way, gathered at the London Hippodrome to see if he could escape this new kind of bond. Having been handcuffed securely, Houdini then ducked down away from the crowd. He didn't want them to want them to see him struggling and went into a box out of their sight and after about 20 minutes the entertainer popped up out of the box the the crowd roared their approval but they suddenly got quiet because they realized that he was still handcuffed he hadn't done anything yet so Houdini hadn't accomplished anything uh, then he just smiled ducked back down into the box you know asked for more light they gave him some light and 15 more minutes passed once again he appeared up out of the box. Again, the crowd cheered enthusiastically. Houdini smiled, saying that he, he just needed to flex his knees. The job wasn't done. 
Down he went. After about 20 minutes more, he came up again, taking a pocket knife from his vest, he, he, holding it in his teeth. He, he slashed his coat to ribbons, freeing himself of the hot, heavy garment, and then he jumped back into the box because he had not freed any of the handcuffs yet. Uh, uh, this time, he only stayed in the box for about 10 minutes, and then he emerged for the fourth time, a free man holding the cuffs in his hand. Crowd gave an extended ovation for the master of escape. Later, a reporter asked Houdini why he kept popping up out of the box when he was not free. And he said, I was struggling all alone. I needed the encouragement of the crowd to help me get the job done. Isolation is a burden. In fact, over the long term, it's deadly. We need community. Do not hesitate this fall. Start looking for the crowd that will cheer you on. There's a booklet out there. Groups, groups, groups. Grab one. Find a small group. I'm going to give you two homework assignments today. If you're connected to Gateway, homework assignment number one, tell someone who isn't here to listen to this. And if you're really brave, I want you to say, hey, listen to Ed's talk from Sunday, and then let's talk afterwards. Secondly, I want you to find your posse and jump in. Oh, I did the small group thing and it didn't work for me. Well, find another one. And don't just go and, and hope it works for you. You're part of the one anothering too. Show a big group and stir it up. I don't think we're honest enough here. It's going to be awkward, yes. It's also going to be awesome. Find your posse and jump in. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up if they would close us out, and I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord, I have no question that, that um, this is your call in our lives. I also have no question in particular, this is a call on my life, and this is why we started Gateway. And forgive us for slipping away from this to any degree. Lord, I want to pray especially over our families and over our young families. I pray that they will continue to be careful, that they will continue to protect themselves and their kids exactly the way they should. I also pray, Lord, that you will convict us about the potential burden of isolation that we're, we're creating we're allowing to creep into our families. I pray, Lord, that you'll call us out in as much as we're able into the open. Call us into connection. Call us back together. In Jesus' name we pray.